will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 434 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm the Bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always as a glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? I'm going pretty well, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Just keeping up with the live updates. Yeah. Uh, Fox Sports, in all their wisdom, they've got live updates, live from a man's funeral. Yeah, it's, I mean, the media is just a bunch of vultures, aren't they? As you say, sociopaths. Yeah, yeah. Corporate media. It's always the corporate media. Yeah, mainstream they, corporate stuff. And, and if you ha- if you tried to explain it to them, they would not get it. No, like, they're like, they, they would, wouldn't understand it. So, I mean, they're of the opinion, too, that that's news. What's What sort of groundbreaking news do you think is going to come from a funeral? Yeah, it, it's just gross. Man. Man dead at funeral. Like, yeah, it, they they're gross, and I just can't believe, I just can't believe how gross they are. It, you know, just when you think that they couldn't stoop any lower, they do. And yeah, yeah. They're all, all the they, same. All they do is cut around a shovel. Yeah, yeah. We can go to, we can go lower. We can go yeah. lower. Yeah, exactly. Um, Anyways, well, I was going to say while we're talking about the mainstream media being dickheads. Yes. Um, there's an article, I think it's in the Sydney Morning Herald, about um, it's an opinion why it's time for all eight NRL games to be played at the same time. And I dare say this is around his idea that uh, we could have two games that determine the makeup of the finals. And so we should play them both at the same time so neither team knows their fate. Um, stupid. Well, the title is NRL Red Zone. Why well, it's time for all eight games to be played at the same time. Now, it, the NFL has a red zone. Uh, they've got a show called Red Zone. And, and basically what they do is because there's so many NFL games um, and they they have a very different schedule. They don't play on a lot of the days we play on. They do play a lot of games that are on at the same time. And don't they have like several time zones for every week as well? They've got to play yeah. across. Yeah, and so they'll mm. cross from one game to the other to the other, you know. And but they also do schedule games that are not at the same time. It's just that they play so many games that you know they're going to have games at the same time. And being a corporate uh, media person, there's zero, you know, there's nothing going on upstairs. Okay, so like when they remember when they all watched Moneyball about eight to ten years ago, <laughs> and they all thought everything was Moneyball all of a sudden. It's yeah. like oh, so they put they're putting points on the scoreboard. That's I think that's Moneyball. That's numbers. Um, they're dumb. So this idea is top shelf dumb, and I mm. could use different words, but dumb is the appropriate word for this idea. It is. It doesn't require swear words. No. It requires the clearest and most well-defined usage of the word dumb there is, and <laughs> dumb is it. Dumb. It is dumb. dumb. Like, the, it's just, I can't wrap my head around someone being that dumb. I can't wrap my head around somebody going to some, because I can't imagine that these people don't, bounce these ideas off somebody at some point, you know? 
and somebody comes to you and says, hey, I've got this idea. We should play every single game at the exact same time. I, I, and that person says, don't be dumb. Adam, Adam, you're being dumb again. Yeah. Okay. Don't be dumb. Write something else. And then you take that to the corporate press and yeah. they say, yeah, let's run with that. Yeah. No one, no one who's his editor above him looks at it and goes, yeah, you know what? This is dumb. Go back and write something better. They've gone, perfect. Punch it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, and there's a hundred thousand reasons why it's dumb. And we don't even have to go into them because I feel like if we went into them, we would be, uh, we'd upset our listeners because they know why it's dumb. Yeah. They're not just dumb. We're not going to treat our audience the way the corporate media treats their audience. We're not going to treat you like morons. You know why it's dumb. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, special, very special people. Just ask them. Now, Phil Gould has had another, uh, meeting. Hang on, it, was it clean, hang on, was it clandestine? It was probably clandestine. Actually, these are, these are my favourite types of feel-good meetings, to be honest. I've got to say, I knew about this meeting a long time ago. <laughs> I um, think I heard about it in 1961. <laughs> he's met with Josh Reynolds, because um, Josh Reynolds is considering a homecoming to the Bulldogs. Uh, I don't know why. He was finished before he got to the West Tigers. Uh, he was finished before he went to Super League. He was finished in Super League, and he'll still be finished when he gets to the Bulldogs. Now, whether he goes there in an off-field capacity or whatever, but I can't imagine he's going there as a player because it just that just makes no sense, right? Just, just to be clear, in April next year, he turns 34. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's not like you say, oh, he's only, what, he's only 29. Yeah, he's old in football mm-hmm. terms. So he's had a meeting with Phil Good. We hear about all of Phil Good's meetings. It's funny. Uh, that Phil Gould meets with so many people that have to make sure the media knows that they are meeting Phil Gould because I'm sure so, it has nothing to do with Phil Gould. It so, can't well, be that Phil Gould's a media whore. So I Not that, to, Andrew. Did, did they shut down all of the security at uh, Manchester Airport, uh, Sydney Airport, and all Probably. all of the routes from the Sydney Airport Probably. to Belmore to make sure that no one saw this clandestine meeting? I'm, I'm sure that they did. I'm sure that they did. Um, I dare say Danny Wildlazier was on the, the plane with him. Who who was it? D- Dan Walsh wrote this and Michael Shamus. Oh, so it's just two other different media people. Yeah, yeah. Every they, time there's a Gould meeting, there's different media people reporting on it. It's funny that, hey? It's like they're sharing it around. Oh, you had to go last week. It's our turn this week. You know, the other interesting thing is that Phil Gould's employer employs these two people as well. That's, I'm, um, I'm not saying that it's a self-fulfilling circle of bullshit where they just talk about themselves. Oh, hang on, I just did. Yeah, yeah that is, that is quite what you're saying. Um, but, yeah, so so there's that. But we all know that Phil Gould treats the NRL salary cap like he's playing a fancy rugby league competition. <laughs> like and, it's clandestine. Yeah, yeah, very clandestine. Um, and he gets to a point where it just gets out of control and he starts having to pay players to go and play for other clubs. And it seems like we are now into that point of his time at the Bulldogs where well, that's, that's happening. That's, that's phase two of the of the Gould grand plan. Phase yeah. one, sack the coach. Yes. Phase two, players that are being paid to be elsewhere. Yes. And then phase three is when you get rid of him and you actually become successful. Um, yeah. Now, how many years goes on between phase two and phase three? Normally, it's longer than this. Okay. Is yeah. That, is, it, is 
Does the five-year plan start after phase two, or is phase two the start of the five-year plan? I think the five-year plan starts when he leaves. And oh, right, fair enough. Five years. Fair. I always thought it was funny when people would say, oh, he really he really revolutionised the way the Panthers used their junior development. It's like, no, he just got people back into the club that started picking juniors again. Like, when you go from not picking juniors from the biggest junior base in the world and then you do start selecting those juniors, that's not a system. That's just common sense, you know? Yeah. But anyway. Um, so Tavita Pangai Jr. looks like he's going to be moved on. He played reserve grade, I believe, last week for the Bulldogs. Oh, right. And uh, I would love to see him back at Penrith. I think he played his best football at Penrith and just looked really settled. I know he wasn't there for long, but it just seemed as though whatever it was about Penrith just worked for him. And I would like to see him back at Penrith. But I, th- my worry is that he will go to a club that's not a good environment for him. Um, more on the field I'm talking about. Um, we won't name names. Where's Tigers? But then you just named the name that I was thinking of. So there we go. Uh, the, the only thing that's going to hold him back yeah. is whether he is open to playing at 5-8 and hooker every now and then. The thing I don't like about him at the West Tigers is he clearly isn't a centre. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's got some work to do. Yeah, and he's not undersized as a forward. Like, how does he fit into the West Tigers' plans at all? Oh, no, they can fix that. They'll just play him in reserves the whole time. Ah, okay. That's what they do with their bigger players. Ah, yeah, they actually do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Put him in reserves. Yeah. And then, um, makes, I mean, first, I mean, the Sheen's plan, okay, is you, you first you sign him up to a, a big deal. Yes. And then you put him in reserves because they're too big. And then you let them leave with two years left to go on their contract and you pay them out the whole time while they're at another club playing okay. first grader and ripping holes in every other team. Okay. That's how you do it. That sounds good. That That's sounds the game. Good. That's the master plan. Uh, is there part of you that secretly, like, because we've talked about this, you've got to bottom out. When when you get to a point with your club, you want them to bottom out so that it's just undeniable that everyone has to go. Um, are, you at yeah. the point, are you at the point now... Are you at the point in 2014? No. Are you at the point now where you're like, fuck it, bring back Fafita, bring back Adam Adam Woods, Aaron Woods, just bring them all back. Just why not? Let's just make this as bad as it can get. Yeah, well, look, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't want to see those guys back, not because, um, not for any reason other than the club's already at its, you know, I've, I've been through too much misery. It, mm-hmm. it should be considered at its bottom now. And it's all fun and games to sit there and get pissed off and, and joke about how shit the club is. But at some point, everyone's got to sit down and say, right, we can't be the laughing stuff all the fucking time. How's about we pull our finger out, focus on trying to get this fucking thing better and work on a long-term goal instead of just constantly buying random players and hoping for short-term success because that's all they've done for the last decade and it has not worked. So I would be all for them going out and just saying, you know what, fuck it. If our policy for next year is to have no players over the age of 30, mm-hmm. go for it. Obviously, they're not going to do that because they've bought Chorus out, but mm-hmm. um, it needs to be something crazy like that. Put them all on two, three-year contracts. Not huge ones. Just lock them in for a few years and stop changing the roster. Stop changing the coaches. And if things don't work, well, you've got two constants. 
Okay, and that is the roster and the players have not changed. You know, the the coach hasn't changed, right? They're constant. Mm-hmm. The one thing that has been constant over the last near decade is the yeah. fucking board. Yeah. At some point, if we can make on-field and the coaches constant and they're not constantly changing and they're still producing the same consistent results, you've got to start going, okay, if we can't blame the roster because it keeps changing all the time and all sort of stuff. We can't, you know, we can blame the coaches, you know, because they keep getting replaced all the time. But if they're solid and they're doing the same thing every week and it's not working, at some stage you've got to go, we need better people at the very top of the organization to make better decisions because the ones at the moment are making ordinary decisions and it's leading to ordinary results and we're staying ordinary the whole time. Yeah. Some point. They've got to realize that constantly changing what goes on on the field isn't working because of the people at the top who don't know how to hire the right people to be on the field. Yeah, exactly. I, look, I know when Penrith had, were in the Matthew Elliott era, and I still feel like I was cursed with the Matt because I used to talk about how he wasn't good, you know, when he went when he was at Canberra. I remember when Canberra signed him, signed him, and I said, "This is a disaster for the Raiders." I feel sorry for the fans. And I was cursed with him ending up at the Panthers. And I remember we had one season where it was pure luck and circumstance and stuff. We ended up coming, I think it was second on the ladder. It was a real outlier of our time that he was there. And I was like, this is really bad because this is just going to delay any change we need to be made. Mm. And you can see it was an outlier just by the fact that we did nothing around any of that. You know, um, and so and you just get I got to a point where I was like any successes we have, they're just delaying what we need to do. You know, it's it's and, and that's where you get to, I think, for some clubs. Um, I was thinking about that, actually, uh, on the weekend with the Titans and the Titans won on the weekend and it wasn't an impressive game, um, but they still got the win. And it was nice to see their fans celebrating something because they've had a, a terrible season. And some of their big-name players stood up and in that game. But, you know, I, part of me was like, I hope that this isn't something that at the end of the year they say. Because the end of the year is this weekend for the Titans. I hope it's not something that when they do all of their reviews and stuff, they say, well, you know what, we had that good win at the end of the year. Maybe that's the start of something because it's not the start of anything. Um, they need to get a new coach in there and a new coaching staff. And I, I think that they're actually starting that process. I, I read somewhere that uh, I think it was Rugby League Week Moles said um, on Twitter that Brett White, who is an assistant at the Canberra Raiders, told the Raiders players that he'll be um, going to the Gold Coast Titans next year as an assistant coach. So I think they've started that process already, but um, but yeah, that worried me a little bit when you you're just a terrible team, and then you start getting those wins that you think, man, somebody's going to say, yeah, but remember that win at the end of the year? Oh, that was a good one. Imagine if we do that all next year, and you start convincing people that you shouldn't be sacked because you're a terrible coach. Yeah, that worries. It's, me. it's funny. I'm I'm actually. You talked about Matthew Elliott. I'm looking at the Panthers' 2007 season when they got the spoon. Mm. You know they only had three wins less that year than the eighth-place Broncos. 
Yeah. Their points differential that year was minus 68. They came last. Yeah. Yeah. So they weren't atrocious by any means. I mean, they they got the wooden spoon, but they weren't. Yeah, you think the Knights were minus 290 in the points differentials and only had one win more. Um, and then you look at the Tigers this year. They've had half as many wins as Penrith. Yeah. In 2007. But the thing so, is, look, can you look at the Penrith team that they had that year? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so, who were some of the notable players in that team? Because, uh, like, what I would say that there's... I'll, uh, I'll go through the rep players, not okay. just ones from that year, but, you know, overall rep players they had there. Yeah. Uh, Paul Aton, Joel Clinton, Craig Gower, Luke Lewis, uh, Keith Peters, Luke Prittis, Frank Pritchard, Frank and Tony Pulatua, Luke Rooney, Trent Waterhouse, Reese Wesser. Um, I think there was there's Junior Moores, Michael Jennings, uh, Michael Gordon, and I think that's pretty much it. Should that team have come last? I don't think it was bad enough to be last. No way. Where would that team come? If you put that team in that as they were, keep in mind all of those players at that moment in time that you just named were in the prime of their career. If you drop that team right now in the NRL, at the very least, they're, I mean, they should beat the Broncos, right? Yeah. Right. They they should so that means they're around about they they smash manly at the moment. They're better than the I would say that that team there is better than the current Raiders team. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. So we're looking at a team that should be this year in the eight. Well, as I said, in two thousand and seven, even though they got the wooden spoon, they were only three wins outside the top eight. Whereas three wins outside the top eight this year has you sitting above Manly, who's in 11th place. Yeah. So that's probably where they'd sit. Yeah, but still they come last. Like, Yeah. So it makes me wonder. Yeah. Would uh, Matthew Elliott make the Tigers better? If they signed... I see more sense. This can sound crazy coming from me. I see more sense in signing Matthew Elliott as coach for three years than I do saying we're going to sign Tim Sheens for three years and then after that, Benji Marshall is going to be an assistant coach for two years. I agree. And that's that's insane. What this club needs is stability. Um, and they've not delivered as far as coaching goes. They think they have. They're trying to tell us that they have. They haven't. No. If... If the current idea of stability is having one of the longest-serving coaches in the history of the game being replaced by a bloke who's never had any coaching experience in his life, if that's what they think is stability, they're wrong. That's going from, you know, reasonable stability, I guess, to zero. I just wouldn't be totally shocked if at some point Benji Marshall kind of decides that that's not what he wants to do with his life. Yeah. Like, if, he, if that's what he wanted to do, he'd be doing it already, such as Robbie Farah. Right? Farah's in there. He's in, within the coaching team. This is not a commentary on whether Farah's good enough for it or not, but he's showing mm-hmm. that he's clearly interested in the coaching side of things. Yeah. Benji hasn't. He's been off in the media, which is it looked like it was always going to be his natural progression was to go to the media. Um, and he's he's good at it, right? So it just seems weird to automatically want to inject this bloke who's shown no interest in being a coach into the coaching mix at a club that 
sorely needs a proper coach long term who they had and got rid of. Yeah. I, the I whole think thing that, is backwards. Like, I, surely you'd make Farah this the the coach to replace Sheens and have Benji as, in, as his assistant. But that, even, to me, if you're going to use that fucking system, at least go that way because at least Farah shows he wants to do it. Yeah, but even that is like, oh, it's not great. It, yeah, it's a it's a terrible like way to go about it. You know, absolutely. Um, so but yeah, I, I'd be I'd be slightly, and I'm talking very slightly more comfortable with having Farah being the replacement for Sheens purely because he shows he wants to coach and he's in there doing it at the moment. Yeah. Instead of Benji. Look, it's it's just so totally strange. But And I can see where Benji Marshall is coming from because these, I mean, somebody the size of Benji Marshall doesn't become Benji Marshall because he doesn't think he can do something in rugby league. You know what I mean? And yeah. Benji Marshall 100% loves the West Tigers. There's no doubt about that. Like, none whatsoever. That's his club. That's his team. Um, and and so when the West Tigers say, say to him, you know, we oh, we really need somebody that we can look at as a long-term coach and we need somebody that we trust, do, you know, what do you think about it? And he, and he says, yeah, I think that. And then somebody says to him, do you have any interest in doing it? I can see where Benji Marshall, A, thinks he can he can do it because he, he can – he's done he, – when it comes to rugby league, Benji Marshall can do anything. I've seen it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, we all have. I, yeah. Oh, hang on. What's up, little buddy? <laughs> yeah, waking up sucks. How's that for you? You having a nice sleep, even in another room. That's you just exactly, heard West Tigers talk and he just wakes up again. That's exactly how I feel when I wake up. You okay, bloke? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a solution. I'll give you food. You like food. He likes food. Um, but, yeah, I, so I see where Benji Marshall has this this thing within him where he's like, yeah, I can do this. I can – if you want me to do it, I'll do it, you know, and it doesn't take much to say we'd love you to, and he's like, all right, because he loves the West Tigers. So it's an interesting situation, but I, at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if we get to a point where Benji's like, you know what? I don't know that this is for me. And that's why I wouldn't be shocked if Robbie Farrah ends up being the next coach. Yeah. I think it's the... I don't know. I I don't like the whole system they've put in place. None of it makes sense. None of it's going to work for the club. Mm. They need a roster overhaul. They're afraid to do it. Um, Getting the wooden spoon this year um, should be the catalyst for a huge change. It won't Mm. be. Yeah, and look, the other the other thing that's scary is that when all of the people that were involved in getting the club to the wooden spoon have already made the supposed change for the future, that it's just going back to the past to make the change. And so they can all say, well, we're making changes. It's like, yeah, but you, you haven't changed anything. You're the problem. Hashtag new era. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like what, they should all go. What sort of bullshit PR hashtag are they going to come up with next year? The only way, hashtag, hashtag the only way is up. Hashtag back to square one. <laughs> hashtag the race for 16th. <laughs> five hashtag, year plan, hashtag, five year plan to get back to ninth. Hashtag we've got to beat the, 
the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> I, I look, I tell you what, at this stage, I look at the Dolphins lineup, and it, it's better than the West Tigers going into next year. Like, absolutely, I don't even think it's close. No, no it's not. They've got a forward pack. That that makes a difference. That it always helps when you've got forwards in the NRL. Yeah. Especially ones who don't abuse referees and then claim that it was a mistake. <laughs> it's, it's not his go, man. Not his go. I mean, sure, he took 10 steps and was walking off the field and then decided to turn around and abuse a referee. But it's not his go. It was an accident. I know he did it over a number of minutes, and eventually the referee had to send him from the field. Yeah. But it's not his go. But because he apologised before someone told him to, apparently that makes him a good bloke. So, you know, we move on. Hashtag um, it's not his go. I've got something a bit interesting to chat to you about. Okay, yeah, tell me. Is this the question that you had for me? It is the question I had for you. Okay. Right, so on the last weekend, we had the uh, Formula One race at the yes. iconic Spa track. Oh, was it at Spa? Yeah. Okay, I wish I'd known that. I would have watched it. Yeah. The trophy. The trophy intrigues me. Okay. Okay, the main structure. Okay, so the, the trophy is actually um, glass in the middle yeah. with a wooden... Uh, border and the border is in the shape of the actual racetrack. Okay, yes. Okay. Now the wood that they use for the border is from an oak tree root that's located near the track. Okay. And between the panes of glass is water from the Eau Rouge River, which runs alongside the the famous high speed corner. And it, it's between the two pieces of glass in the middle. Okay. And at the bottom of it, in the base, they've got bits of the tarmac from the Eau Rouge section of the road that was apparently removed from the uh, track when they did a lot of refurbishment to it in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So they've made the trophy basically out of the racetrack. Yeah. And I was thinking, how could you do something like that for rugby league? A rugby league trophy that's made out of rugby league somehow. Ah, that's interesting. Okay, so say you got – I'm trying to think. That can be anything. So, like, I was thinking, if it has a wooden structure, it could maybe have part of the goalpost from from Leichhardt Oval on there. Actually, mm-hmm. no, you want something that's stable. Maybe the uh, goalpost from the old the old Sydney Football Stadium. Okay, so because uh, I, do you know what I immediately went to? I immediately went to imagine if you had a trophy, and this actually seems like a really cool idea when I think about it. Imagine if you had a trophy that was shaped in a similar way to the George Hotel. And it was made of glass, yeah. and inside of it, you know how the George Hotel is made of that sandstone sort of? Yep. Yeah? You had, like, sandstone that was actually from the George Hotel. Yeah, shaved off the bricks. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? That's pretty cool. Yeah. You could get it with a bit of blend of the uh, the Crystal Hotel where they had the first meeting to form Rugby League in Sydney. Yeah, but isn't the... I can't remember if this is the right story. Isn't it just the facade of that hotel yeah. left? Okay. Yeah, that's all that's left. Okay. Yeah, you can still shave a bit off it. Yeah, yeah. You can, well, it gets something off there anyway. As I always say, you can always shave it. Absolutely. Um. Uh, yeah, what would you do in Australia? I'd like... Because the first game, wasn't it at Birchgrove Oval? It was, it was. Okay. And... It was Birchgrove and Wentworth Park. I guess you could get some of the dirt from there. You'd have to dig down. Yeah, well, Birchgrove's a pretty big, pretty big uh, ground. It's not. It's bigger than just 
one football ground. You can get probably two and a half football grounds on it. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, like, it, when it comes to, like, digging down, you want <clears> – <throat> you don't want the, the soil that was brought there for some, from somewhere that's probably on top of it. You want the real – the real – what was still there, like, when yeah. the first game was played. Yeah. So you could do that. You Absolutely. could have uh, – I'm trying to think of what else you could have. I guess you could have some of the sandstone from around Sydney, maybe. Yeah, if you go in there. Um, you could uh, – what else could you have? I, I, you know, I, you wouldn't want to change it or do anything to damage it, but I guess if – you know the, the bell that was used for the first game of rugby league? It would be cool to have a little – like a slither of that in it, like – maybe a splinter off the handle or something, but you don't want to touch that, you know? Yeah. Um, That's not a bad one to throw in there. If you made one for the modern day, let's, okay, let's make one for the NRL era. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. So from 98. Okay, so. A bit of homebush. Yeah, a bit of homebush. What else could you have? You could have, you could have, Part of the singed uh, dolphin mascot, um, what would you call it, costume that Julian O'Neill tried to light, allegedly. Oh, geez. We're getting into Julian O'Neill territory. Allegedly. Andrew, allegedly. Or something else in a minute. Before <laughs> he jumped off, allegedly, the boat and swam to shore. And I don't believe he played in Australia again after that. Um She's not a surprise. <laughs> That's you know who reminds me the most of of uh, Julian o- Julian O'Neill? Who's that? Probably not as good. Cameron Munster. Cameron Munster. Uh, oh, he's he's off the piss now. Well, but here's the thing: Cameron Munster, big dude, can play five eighth, full back, so he's versatile. Mm-hmm. Uh, always plays well when he's put in any environment. And Julian O'Neill was the same way early in his career. He was like Cameron Munster 1.0. That's true. Don't you reckon? True. I think Munster, though, skill-wise, is vastly better. You reckon? Yeah. I I can't recall Julian O'Neill single-handedly winning games as often and as well as Munster has. But I would I would say that that's probably because his career went off the rails pretty quickly. Maybe I don't know. I think also he didn't spend as much time in the halves as Munster has either. No, he no. played a lot of fullback. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just I I I think that they are so similar. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, back to our back to our original subject. Hmm. Okay. So we have. Uh, I think we should have, like, parts well, of... Oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, we could have... You know, they've got glass in the middle of this one I spoke about from, from Spa. Yeah. They could get glass from the windows of the uh, Telstra shop that Todd Carney tried to kick in in Goulburn. Yeah, allegedly. Put, That's a good put idea. put some of the blood between it from um, Anthony LaFranchi's head when Gallon tried to rip his stitches open. <laughs> we could get some of the stitches from Mick DeVere's head. The, the staples. They actually use that to staple bits of it together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, we're getting somewhere now. We're this is progress. Um, we could have parts of the jerseys of all of the teams that have been killed off during the NRL. I was thinking era. of something like that. Yeah. So we've got who we got. We've got the Gold Coast. Uh, 
Chargers. Seagulls. We've got North Sydney. We've got Adelaide. We've got Illawarra. We've got Balmain. St. George. St. George. West, South, West. Manly. Yeah, let's chuck South in there. Yeah, let's chuck Manly in there. They're dead. Um, yeah. Are we missing anyone? Oh, South Queensland Crushers. Were they still around early? No, they weren't in 98. Okay. Adelaide was. Yeah, I said Adelaide. Um, Are we missing anyone? Oh, I guess they they were before. I was going to say Hunter Mariners, but... Well, I suppose we can chuck in the ones that were the victims of the Super League War because that's how the NRL started. That they built the foundations on. Oh, the Auckland Warriors? They're dead. Auckland Warriors? Um, Who else? Yeah. What's that for? The Northern Eagles? Yeah, the Northern Eagles, they died. Yep. Did we say Western Reds, Perth Reds? No, we didn't. Okay, chuck them in there. Central Coast Bears, did they ever change their name officially to Central? Nah, I they think didn't. they died before that happened. They didn't. I think they changed their jumper, but they didn't change their name. Yeah, and they were pretending. Um, anyone else? Hey, do it, Bella. I think that's it. Yeah, that, that's pretty much all of them. Yeah. Um, what pretty, a pretty impressive mix. Yeah. So what else could we chuck in there? We could chuck it. Oh, we'd have to chuck in a bunch of ashes from all of the books of all of the clubs that are breaking the salary cap. So oh, that would, so that would be Mel, let me think. That's Melbourne Bulldogs, uh, Melbourne Bulldogs, Parramatta, Parramatta Warriors, Parramatta, Warriors, yeah. Manly, Manly, um, Cronulla, Cronulla, yeah. Uh, West Tigers, West Tigers. Yeah, remember they they said. The, the West Tigers would only have the Robbie Farrow contract in there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they said, no, we can. And then I said, we make the rules. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, with the jumpers thing, yeah, we could also add in there all of the jumpers of all of the Super League clubs who have come over here and lost the World Club Challenge as well. Okay, so that would be Leeds? Because St. Helens has basically killed off the World Club Challenge by, by being too scared to come over here. Yeah. They've yeah. killed the tradition. Yeah, yeah. It, well, uh, yeah, if only was, there was some way to get in touch, like, don't even start me. That would just be Leeds, Leeds, Wigan, Bradford and St. Helens. Is that it? That have come over here? Oh, no, they didn't They didn't have to come over here. Just, you know, teams that lost the World Club Challenge. We'll just yeah. keep it that. Yeah, that would be it, as far yeah. as I can remember. Um, yeah, because St. Helens, they decided not to take part in it because they said that they couldn't get in touch with the biggest rugby league club in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish I had my phone right here so I could just call the club and show yeah, people. Well, it, it's hard work, you know. They they tried to send a fax, but, you know. <laughs> tried to send an email, tried oh, to they, call them. As the a, carrier pigeon got lost in the mail. Started talking shit in, like, March about... Yeah, just so stupid. Yeah. Had a big chicken steal the message off it, and then, you know, it's gone. So dumb. Um, What else could we chuck in this trophy, though? Um, Graham Annesley's refer- uh, whistle when he was a ref. Yeah, I guess that's a good one, because then it's like the progression from, like, he was a referee, and then he undermined every single referee as soon as he got out of the game. That's the one that would work. Yep. Um, um, that I know. 
Yep. The the space where David Moffat's tie should have been. <laughs> oh jeez. That was so weird how they focused on him not having a tie, hey? Yeah, it was. You know it's funny, David Moffat still pops up from time to time in the media. We don't see it because we don't really care. But um he'll say stuff about rugby union in New Zealand. Yeah. Because that was his big thing. He used to run rugby union in New Zealand. And uh he he will talk about a lot about like rugby league and how rugby union has to do some things to become more like rugby league every so often. Um, we could get Dave Smith. What could we get of Dave Smith's? Well, he came from he came from the banking background. Maybe we can just get part of his calculator in there or something. Yeah, something like that. I know, I know, not real witty, but he didn't actually have much of a personality, so I've not got much to work with there. Yeah, there's, it's, it's difficult that one. What about um, David Gallup? David Gallup. We could get, <laughs> we could get all of the skin that he rubbed off his forehead every single time he woke up some morning, and he's like, "I've got to deal with this." <laughs> there's a guy sticking his fingers where? There's a guy that did what with the dog? Hang on, didn't he didn't he liken Melbourne Storm fans to terrorists or something once? I can't remember that. Did he? Something stupid like that. He, he said some dumb thing. Remember, it was after the salary cap handing come down, and he went down to Melbourne for the first time after a long time after that decision, yeah. and got booed and heckled relentlessly. Really? Yeah, and he said some stupid thing. David Mo- people forget David Moffat was News Limited's uh, lawyer. That's right. In the Super League War. And basically he ended up being the CEO on an interim basis and it ended up being that he was there for what? I mean, he must have been there for 12 years, 14 years. Yeah, like that. it was a fair whack. I think he did a good enough job considering all the shit he had to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> um, fair enough. PVL, he can have the, we can, you know, to polish it up. Yeah. We can use some of the uh, the grease off his forehead and his hair <laughs> yeah. and just polish the trophy every year with it. Do you know that's his real hair colour? No. It's his real hair colour. I know that it seems outlandish. You know, you, know, you know what his hair reminds me of sometimes? What? Back in the 90s, I don't know if you remember ever seeing this. I saw it on an ad once where you had people who were bald could get the... Um, Hair, hair in a can that you can spray under your head. Yeah, yeah. I've that's seen that's that. his hair. I tell you he's, what, when he's just spraying that shit on out of a can. When you see those ads, you're like, "Holy shit, that stuff really works!" But then you think, "Come on, that's some CGI shit." It's just paint. Yeah. <laughs> just paint my scalp black and look like hair from a distance. Had <laughs> <laughs> some off- offcuts on it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what else you could chuck in there. What's something from like the last few years you could chuck in there? Um, in the base, mm. you know, like the old Winfield Cup had that big heavy base on it. Yep. The base that you could have for this one could be all of the fucking rule changes the PPLs brought in. <laughs> it ends up being bigger than the Stanley Cup. Just <laughs> That's right. this thing's like three foot deep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. I like that one. That's a that's a solid base. Yeah. That thing's not falling over. And any metal can be made from the uh, NRL 9s trophy that 
the Parramatta Eels had stripped of them because they broke the salary cap. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you could also have it combined with some of that football um, stand that broke down at Leichhardt Oval a few weeks back. Yeah, yeah. You're not using that anymore. Nah, nah. Hey, have you seen the thing where, because th- you know how the, the, it works, the don't focus on the West Tigers board and CEO. Focus. We're telling you that something else is going on. So today their thing is that they're thinking about complaining to the NRL over something that happened in their last game. There was some try or something they didn't like. And then they might not be able to play again at Leichhardt Oval because reasons. The reasons being they shouldn't have been playing there for the last 30 years. But, Woo-hoo. yeah, that's their new thing. And I, when I saw it, I was like, good, you know. Yeah. That, that sounds like Chairman Lee at his best right there. Yeah. It's a, divert, it's, divert, divert, divert. Sue, yeah. sue, sue. Some hard-ass deflection shit going on yeah. right there. Um, but, yeah, I think that would make a pretty cool trophy. It would. It would. I, I can't think... Um, no, I can't think of anything that'd be wrong with it. I just want to see someone now make it look... You know, do a, do a uh, artist's impression of how it would look. I'll leave that with somebody. Yeah, maybe maybe someone that uh, is listening to this could, like, Photoshop a picture of what all of that would look like. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it'd look horrid, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, let's go with it. Exactly. Now, what do you think about, uh, we're coming into the final round, um, and there's talk that Penrith is going to rest basically most of their first-grade team. They've got... Um, they've got no, nothing that they can gain. They're in first place. They've won the minor premiership. They're playing the North Queensland Cowboys. Um, what do you think of teams doing that? Because I, I think that sometimes it works, but sometimes it backfires a little bit. Yeah, the only thing it's going to impact is the actual club's momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, how severely they want to adjust their team, I think will come down to um, if they decide to do mild adjustments, then it shows that they're still interested in winning the game. If they do heavy adjustments, shows that they're not interested in the result, and maybe even they might be trying to, I suppose, doctor how the top four finishes to determine which team they play against in the finals. Well, I was, and that would that, be more uh, of a concern. Yeah, and, and when I like, I I think that we're always heading towards this point with the Panthers, where at some point they were going to rest either everyone or a bunch of their players leading in. And I think that it probably got a little bit derailed just because of suspensions and injuries, and it was kind of forced on them who was out. Um, Is is Cleary eligible to play this week or next week? No, finals. Finals week one. So um, if the North Queensland Cowboys win and the Sharks lose, then the Cowboys are in second place. Okay. Okay. and who does Penrith play in week one of the finals? Is it well, they're, they're going to play fourth, yep. And okay, so the result of this doesn't matter then, because on, unless Melbourne wins, I dare say, if Melbourne wins and the Sharks lose, then Melbourne moves up to third. Yeah. Yeah. So they could end up, well, if the Cowboys lose this game, right, mm. which is, man, if the Cowboys lost to the reserve grade Panthers, it would be kind of shocking. But, but if the Cowboys lose this game and then the Storm win, then the Panthers would be, play the Cowboys in week one of the finals. There's a lot on the line for the Cowboys in this game. They either get a home final or against the Sharks or they're playing the first round at Penrith, which is, for them especially, is going to be horrible. 
Yeah. So they have to win this game. I just can't imagine them losing. I think also the, the Cowboys aren't really going to be keen to play any of the current top four sides. Um, so they're going to be wanting to play against the team that's going to be um, less physical up front mm. out of those three sides. And there's not much of a difference as far as physicality and defense goes between Melbourne, Penrith, and Cronulla. They're, I mean, they're, they're, the top four are the four best defensive teams this year for a reason. Yeah. So it's uh, I, I think when it comes to the the way the finals work this year, uh, all the top four teams were really wishing that the McIntyre system was in place for week one. <laughs> yeah. I, look, Penrith's coming up against Brisbane in week one, or Canberra if it's Canberra. That's the thing about this system that I know when they brought it in, I was like, to me, it doesn't make sense because the Panthers, for being minor premiers, get to have a tougher game against a tougher opponent than the team that slips into eighth place. Yeah. That makes no sense to me. Um, I know the teams in the top four, you know, they get a second chance, but you can come in fourth place and get, the advantage of a second chance. It, it just, that, I don't know. I just think that it's a flawed system. And I thought that the McIntyre system was, I thought that it did the job that it was supposed to do, you know, and it was really easy to understand the two lowest placed teams, they're out every yeah, week. The problem, the problem with it though, <clears throat> not, that it, not that it was a common thing. I think it only happened in AFL, to be honest. The problem with it though was in that system, if the four bottom placed teams won, then teams placed third and fourth would be omitted in the first week of the finals, which seemed seemed inherently wrong. And see, I had no problems with that. I know, but it, it's not. It doesn't seem fair. I, uh, I don't I, see I think why it's the, not fair though. It was, an, it was an issue that they had with um, with the AFL. I think it might have actually happened, or something similar to that might have. I think fourth and fifth might have got kicked out in the first week of the finals, something like that. And they went, yeah, you know, we don't like the way this is set up. I think in their own mind, teams five, six, seven, and eight should have a very, very hard run into the finals, and the top four teams should be looked after a little bit more. Um, and I think the idea was, especially if you're in the top four, you shouldn't be able to get eliminated in the first week of the finals. So I, I, I kind of, <coughs> I kind of don't mind that either. I think. The difference between the top four and fifth to eighth, I think, is a fairly decent one um, in most seasons. And I, you I have think, to be elite to get to that top four. You yeah. can just be slightly better than average to get into the next four. See, I think that the minor premiers, I'll give them whatever advantages you want, right? Mm-hmm. I think anyone from second to eighth, if they don't like it, if they don't feel that it's fair, I don't care come first or go away, you know, because it's, you know, it's not supposed to be fair. That's why we play the games. So I I have no problems if, like, teams three and four get kicked out in the first week because they can't win their games and all the teams below them do. Like, if they didn't want that, then be better next year and win your first finals game. Like, what do they want, you know? Um but, yeah, I, I think that the thing that really changed it for the NRL is that because the McIntyre system doesn't allow for 
going into week one and knowing who your opponents are going to be week two, win or lose, and where the venues are going to be at. It's a little bit more of a fluid system. That's right. With the AFL, they had pretty much all their finals games being played at, you know, one or two venues, regardless who was playing. It was the MCG and SCG, and if they were up in Sydney or, you know, vice versa. Yeah, and I I just think that the the fluidity of that McIntyre system, um, the media didn't like it. Fuck them. Yeah, well, that's what I thought at the time. But, you know, all the administrators seem to do is listen to the drunks in the media. And so we ended up changing it back to a system that we changed it from because we thought that that didn't work. And it's silly. I liked your idea that you said, I think it was on the last podcast, where we have a top seven, the minor premiers have first week off, play one game, you know, and and almost through the grand final at that point. Um, I've got another another idea, and it's based on um, a system we used to have, especially in the 40s. Mm. Okay. Back to the future, so to speak. Yes. And that was the minor premier. No matter where, no matter what point in the final series they lost. So if they lost in week one, and they missed the rest of the final series, they had the right to challenge the team that won the grand final for the or who won the final <clears throat> to then play in the grand final. So what the problem they had with it was they thought that some teams were intentionally tanking in the first week of the finals to get yeah. kicked out, miss the next two weeks, and then play in the grand final with a fully fresh side and win. Yeah, that's how you do it, yeah. But I think if you had a system whereby the minor premier has the right to challenge the winner of the grand final in a super grand final, <laughs> or, you know, do what Valentis wants to call it, a Super Bowl type shit, right? Could we call it, what's bigger than the Everest? What's that mountain that's on uh, Mars? Mons Olympus, I think it's called. Yeah. The Mons Olympus trophy. That's right. Because it's got to be bigger than Everest, you know, because it's all about the size of your uh, trophy. That's right. That's what you'd have. And so Penrith could go through losing weeks one and two. Then they skip week three. They skip week four when we play the grand final. And then you have your Mons Olympus big fucking, you know, it's basically the premier versus the minor premier to find out who who is the fucking granddaddy. Yeah. What would you think of that system? I'd hate it. All right, there you go. We should bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> I hope none of the drunks listen to us because they'll bring it up. Um, I've also, with the final series, I've always thought that why don't we just have a straight knockout comp? Yeah, split the teams. So, say teams one, three, five, and seven are one group. The, the all the even numbers are in another group, and we just have a straight knockout comp where basically the minor premiers they would play seventh place in the first week, and then they'd play the winner of like three and five the following week, and just you just go straight through. And the minor pre, the minor premiers their their reward is playing the the lower ranked team. Even better, adopt the Mortal Combat system. What's that? Eighth plays seventh. The winner then plays sixth. The winner then plays fifth. The winner then plays fourth. The winner <laughs> then plays third. The winner then plays second. The winner then plays first in the final. That Penrith sounds, is the boss fight. That, that sounds, first of all, that sounds fucking amazing. Okay. <laughs> second of all, did you just come up with the absolute best idea for the World Club Challenge ever? Absolutely. Is it, wouldn't that be cool to be like, the World Club Challenge starts, and it's like, say, 
the Jacksonville Axemen versus the PM Donkeys, right? <laughs> West Tigers. The West Tigers. <laughs> we start at the lowest level. The Axemen go through, obviously. Uh, naturally. <laughs> but then you get up and it allows the NRL club to play just the final. Yeah. Because they're the boss fight. Exactly right. Wouldn't that be cool? As it should be. You're the elite team for a reason. Not Holy for the reason shit. of playing as many games as everybody else, but because you're that fucking good, you shouldn't have to. That is the coolest idea ever. We just fixed the World Club Challenge. Fix everything, mate. You can do that for everything. That should be how that should be how the World Cup is run. Start at team number 50, run the gauntlet over four years until you get to the top few teams. We'll see if England's at the top of the fucking tree then. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine how early England would be out? That'd be so funny. <laughs> oh shit! And if you um, want, if you want, you can then play reverse Mortal Kombat, where each team plays a team below them to find out where the true location is. Because if they keep going down and playing things below them and keep losing, well, they keep going down the rank until they stop, until they get a win. You go, ah, right, there you are at fifteen. That's where you belong, dude. I want, the, I want the Mortal Kombat World Club Challenge so badly. Like it's, this, it's this is my. I thought that. An NRL team in Honolulu was my like, my like, uh, what's what's a bigger mountain? There's no bigger mountain than uh, Mons Olympus with Mons. a few concrete bricks on top. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's got it's got a ladder on top of it. That's it. It's got Step a folding ladder on top of it. Uh, I thought that that was it, but now it's the Mortal Kombat World Club Challenge. Has to happen. It it would be amazing. It makes so much sense. It taxes. NRL clubs so little. Oh, I want it. I, I need it. It is utter perfection. Yeah. I can't think of a downside. What's the downside? We get club teams going around, flying around all over the world. The competition goes, it can go for all year if we need it to. Exactly right. You, you can get rid of the challenge cup or you just tie it in with it. Just have the, the last two highest ranking English teams that are in the World Club Challenge, just play each other, and they can, they can just get a trophy on the side while the whole thing keeps going on anyway. Yeah. Ah, oh, this would be so cool. It's got merit, man. Yeah. I'm oh, a fan I of like it. this. And that's why our podcast is the best, because we come up with the things that fix rugby league, and we don't even know it. That's right. Yeah, and at, at full time, if we want to stick with the Mortal Kombat theme, we can have yeah. someone get, get fucking murdered in brutal fashion, who we don't like. Went too far? I don't know. I, I think we maybe we might have. No, no, no. It'll be fine. We can think of someone. Someone <laughs> else can think of that. If That's... you can think of anyone, let us know. But no, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't do that. Um... <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be so damn awesome. I thought that our idea of deciding games with the game of Duck, Duck, Goose was good. No, I thought that, is, our, that is good. I thought our idea of having golden point where you release a, a grizzly bear onto the field was better. That was but that was better. The Mortal Kombat draw for the World Club Challenge is, I think, the best thing that has ever come out of this podcast. That's why we should be running the game. 100%. Let's, let's finish the podcast on that high. We have to. Yeah. You, can't, you can't go above that. No, no. This might be the last podcast. We've finished. We finished. We actually found a good note to finish on. <laughs> Top that, people. Roll the credits. <laughs> Boom. This shit's done. People, 
Follow us on in, on the socials. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, that other one. No one goes there. Don't worry about it anymore. Um, so check us out on all of those. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a five-star um, rating on your podcast listening app or device. Give us a review so we can read them out and put them up on the website, which is at Freaky. Virgo and the freak.com. Yeah, get into it. That'd be awesome. And um, we will catch you in about a day or so. Palmer bet with the big don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858.